I think I've always bucked the trend. If I see everybody going one way, I look for a different path. I've never been a great follower. I'm really proud of the fact that I do tend to be an independent thinker and I do tend to look things from a different angle. From Stuttgart.io, this is Renegade Investors, the show that rebels against the conventional wisdom of investing. We are Hoda and Arash, your hosts and the co-founders of Stockart. The conversation in this show is not investment advice. The hosts and their guests may or may not have invested in the companies we discuss. Don't make investment decisions solely based on what you hear on this show. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Hoda. Welcome to this episode of Renegade Investors. As usual, I have my co-host Arash here with me in the studio. Hey everyone, we have a special episode for you today. Hoda recently had a fantastic chat with a special guest of hers that for some reason, um, I did not get invited again. <laughs> we thought we'd share that conversation with you today. Her journey to becoming an investor, her views about the prevailing wisdoms of investing, and her attitude towards life in general is a great example of what Arash and I call a renegade. I remember you being super excited to talk to Terry. Um, let's start by talking a little bit um, about Terry herself. Oof, that that would be that would have been easier 20 years ago, but uh, mm-hmm. at 48, it's a little bit uh, longer of a story. But where I'm at right now is I've spent the last 20 years working in and with biotech, med device, diagnostic, and digital health companies. And about three and a half years ago, I got a little bit tired of bumping into what I call the arrogance of science. As an IT person in um, biotech, um, my value prop wasn't really very much appreciated. I like to leverage technology to optimize business performance, get to market faster, get to the binary yes or no within drug development, and uh, it wasn't really very much appreciated. So a friend of mine suggested that I get into angel investing, Mm -hmm. made an intro to Santel Angels, and Three years ago, I started angel investing through Sandhill Angels. Uh, right now, I'm focusing from an investing perspective on digital health, so in both femtech and pediatech, so women's health and children's health. So we had a great conversation. One thing, Arash, that came up early on in our conversation is the way Terry was introduced to stock market investing at a very, very young age. I honestly can't remember my first investment. But what I do remember is very early on, I remember that my parents gifted um, me, my identical twin sister, and then my brother, we all got gifted some PG&E stock and some Disney stock at a very early age. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, way, way back in the day. So I think when we turned 18, I think I probably got my first Schwab account, which we put the the stocks into. I still remember the, the account number. Oh, I love this. I wish more parents actually would do this. Um, I mean, rather than giving um, toys or anything for gifts, give a gift of stocks, right? I know, um, Hoda, you started doing this um, with your nephew as well. Yeah, it's one of the fun things that I do every year because, you know, it's very different um, from when you pick a stock maybe for the next five years or for the next 10 years. When you're Picking a stock in a custodian account for a for a toddler, it, you have to have this horizon of 
close to 20 years until he or she can grow up, you know, become old enough to be able to take over the, his or her own investments. So it's a very interesting process because you're picking up companies that not only they're well managed, but they're worth holding for at least 20 years. That's an awesome gift for anyone who, you know, to help set up for the future is to buy shares of stock and, you know, just let them sit. Let's continue on with the conversation with Terry. She told me about her belief in the importance of starting early. Let's just listen to this bit first and we can uh, have a chat about it, Arash. Because I worked for my dad's accounting firm starting when I was nine doing filing and I was doing tax returns and financial statements at 16 and audits and reviews at 20, in working not only with my clients and helping them build their businesses and help them do their taxes and financials, I also helped do all of the, the record keeping and bookkeeping and reconciliation for all of my dad's accounts. So mm-hmm. they had profit sharing accounts, they had other retirement accounts, and I would do the reconciliation and I would see all the different investments and I would see the startups that my dad had invested in. And mm-hmm. I saw the power of investing early. I saw the the power of compound interest. I saw Mm -hmm. the importance of um, starting early, even if it's a small amount, just to start putting it away so that it it builds over time. Think about the wealth that was accumulated um, over the course of many years. Um, I don't think anything can beat the power of time on compounding. Yeah, for sure. All right, something very interesting about Terry that you probably don't know, and but has always impressed me about her is her diverse background and experience. Did you know she has a license for piloting helicopters commercially? And she takes people for tour of the (laughs) Bay Area under the Golden Age Bridge. Uh, It's an amazing uh, story that she she was telling me about. (laughs) Wow. I wonder being a pilot actually helps her in investing as well, because it always gives a different perspective, right? Yeah, funny thing you you mentioned that she and I had a conversation specifically about that and how being a pilot makes her becoming a better investor. You know, that's a really good question. And the thing that's interesting about being a pilot, it it does a couple of things. One, when I get really caught up in the weeds and into the way too many details of life, getting above it all figuratively and literally really helps. So going out and doing a flight around the San Francisco Bay Area, going underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, taking people on uh, bay tours, it helps me focus. And it's almost zen-like in that I have to be so incredibly focused. It helps clear uh, clear out some of my brain so that I can come back to something fresher with a newer perspective. Um, I like that a lot um, because investing is not the thing that we do um, on the side. Rather, it's a reflection of who we are and how we live. And we just heard that um, in that part of the conversation with Terry as well. I'm curious, did she sell those stocks her parents uh, gifted her and her siblings uh, or has she kept them? Yeah, the pg stocks are long gone. I think I probably sold those to buy our first house. Um, nice. the, the Disney stock, I, I haven't been able to let go of. There's something that's very nostalgic about the Disney stock. So those still sit in my account. <laughs> so, you know, Arash, one other thing that you and I always like asking our guests is about 
things they believe in that is very different from the majority of the people. Um, and, you know, surely I asked that question from Terry and she brought up a great point. It's not that I've always believed it. It's only been in the last three years since I fully understood um, what it means to be an accredited investor, to be able to invest in opportunities. And although I've been an accredited investor for longer than that, and so I've been investing in stuff that's been only available to accredited investors in the United States. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, and I'm not the only one, I actually got this idea from Ryan, who started Seed Invest. He spoke at a launch festival a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and mm-hmm. he's, he, he's big on trying to change the investing rules to allow more people to be able to invest in startups and to invest in the various different financial vehicles that have greater upside. And I'm a believer in that too, because just because you have money um, and you meet the accredited investor requirements doesn't mean that makes you a smart investor. I really do believe that we need to open up these opportunities for investing to a broader group of people and it shouldn't just be limited to the wealthy. Her specific point was about how accredited investors are the only one who have access to non-public investment opportunities such as startups. But her broader point, I found it very interesting and illuminating. Being wealthy is not necessarily a requirement for being a good investor. What do you think about that? I agree, but I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners are saying, say what? (laughs) No, because we know, we know a lot of first time investors are worried that they do not have enough money or they want uh, to wait until they gather a significant amount before getting started. But that's certainly not true, as we heard it from Terry as well. Before we continue, should we take a quick break? Yeah, I think let's do that. You had a question for me? <music> I hear we're doing something cool and special on November 8th in San Francisco. Tell us about it. Oh yeah, we are having a full day how to invest workshop in San Francisco on November 8th. It is designed for people who want to get started with investing, even if it's with a small amount of money or like for people with limited investing experience. So we've got a great location. You and I went to pick up the location, Arash, actually, in yep. FIDI, Financial Districts in San Francisco. It's a very cool place. We've got amazing food, coffee, drinks. It's going to be a great day of hands-on conversations and learning about how to create your own personalized plan to start investing for the long term in the stock market. And you also get a chance to hang out and network with a stock card crew and and other fellow long-term investors. So we have a special uh, promotion code for you. Go to howtoinvest.university, register for the workshop, and use promo code RENEGADE to get a special $30 off of your ticket. And also, we've added something special for you guys, um, the podcast audience. You will get invited to an invite-only happy hour that happens just right after the workshop. So it's howtoinvest.university. Use promo code RENEGADE to get special $30 off of your ticket and get invited to invite-only happy hours. We're looking forward to seeing you guys. All right, we're back to our conversation with Terry Mead. 
IT and life sciences expert, angel investor in female founders, femtech and pediatric tech companies. She's also the host of Piloting Your Life podcast, which you should definitely check out on her website, www.terryhansonmeet.com. We'll put a link to her website and her podcast in the podcast uh, description so you can find her easily. As we continue our conversation, I asked Terry about whether she thinks stock market investing can play any role in people's journey to becoming a startup investor. This is what she said. Absolutely. And I think um, there are a number of different tools out there to make it so that you can begin to invest either uh, be- being aware of what's going on or taking advantage of robo solutions, something like yeah. a, a, a wealth front. So I, you know, as, as a startup investor, whenever I hear about something, I go, go test it out, whether it's a digital health device or if it's a financial tool. So, you know, starting to put some money into something like Wealthfront and just starting to, you know, stash the money away, starting to see some of the reports that come out of it, um, understanding your risk tolerance, understanding how you want to balance your portfolio so that you start developing a diversified port- portfolio. I do think that beginning to invest in the stock market, it's a it's a good gateway, uh, not gateway drug, but it's a good gateway mm-hmm. into it because you can start being familiar with concepts, uh, whether it's understanding what a dividend is, what a, what a split is, what a reverse split is. Um, when yeah. a company goes public, when there's a reverse IPO, um, you know, I think it's it's all about just trying things out and diversifying and just being able to start to put money away. Um, like another good example is something um, like stash. You can just stash away, you know, as little as $5 a week, but you do it consistently. And what you learn over time is you learn about dollar cost averaging and that mm-hmm. you don't necessarily dump everything in all at the same time, but you can just diverse, you know, spread out your risk by buying buying over time. I just think that those are good training grounds for understanding some of the basics. Did you ladies um, talk about trading versus um, long-term investing? And everybody should know um, how I feel about uh, trading by now. Of course we did. No surprise that she's a believer in long-term investing and doesn't believe individual people have the skills or tools to be able to time the market. The thing that gets a little bit um, troubling is those people who um, think that with the stock market that they're somehow going to be able to uh, to time the market. And as individual investors, that's nearly impossible. It's I, I just don't know how someone could effectively keep up with all of the information and be able to time things appropriately uh, without doing it full time and having some sort of a technical solution in order to help them do that. Um, I don't do a lot of selling unless it's for a specific purpose um, yeah. or yeah, for, for a specific purpose. Maybe she and you had a conversation before that conversation because <laughs> she really think the way you think about trading. Yeah, all smart people think alike. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> she also had a great idea about how one can prepare uh, for the market downturn. With the uncertainty in the market and in the the global situation right now, um, one of the things that I got a little nervous about is, you know, where is the market going to go? And since a lot of our assets are tied up, our cash is tied up in a lot of assets, 
-hmm. decided that there was one investment that we had that had done well and um, took a look at the tax consequences of selling it. And I went ahead and sold half of it. And Mm. then I stashed that away so that I have cash readily available for two reasons. One, in the case that we need it. And then two, if the market, if something tanks in the market, then I have cash available in order to buy, you know, on the down days. Because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people benefited from the stock market going down in previous cycles by having cash available. And they took advantage of, they went, you know, bargain shopping. And if you have, if you have too much of it wrapped up and you're like, "Ah, I just don't want to sell this at a loss, then it makes Mm -hmm. it hard to go bargain shopping. Um, I have to ask, did you play your favorite game? Sure we did. For the podcast listeners who don't know what this game is about, it's the game we call Buy, Sell, or Hold, and it's the game I learned to play from Chris Hill, who is the host of the Monthly Fool podcast. Um, we ask our guests about things from daily lives. They don't have to be stocks or companies that you can invest in, but we basically play a Buy, Sell, or Hold uh, game uh, with our guests and ask them to see whether they would consider to invest in those concepts or those things. And uh, I did play that game uh, with Terry. All right. So Terry Mead, buy, sell, or hold scooters. Oh my gosh. Stay as far away <laughs> from as possible. So if you have money in scooters, sell, sell, sell. But I am so biased against scooters. Oh, my gosh. I could talk about that one for days. Talk about FOMO. Oh, is, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Is it not solving a big, important problem of our life? You know, we need a scooter. No, it's solving, <laughs> you know, it's solving a problem for the one percenters. I mean, if you think about the logistics problems, if you think about uh, safety and, you know, the second person just died on a Lime scooter in Washington, D.C. Um, so there's some liability issues, the clutter issues. I mean, they're, not to mention that the, the valuations on those are so incredibly high. Winter time comes, people are gonna use scooters in the winter in icy conditions. Oh, and there are parts of the world that have inclement weather. I mean, there's so many things that are so impractical about those. I don't have problems yeah. with the bikes, but I am adamantly opposed to the scooters. All right, sell. We're selling. (laughs) Okay, let's do one more and I let you go right after that. So buy, sell, or hold weed companies. You know, that's not my space, but there is a lot of hot activity in there and the regulatory side of it is, I think, going in a positive direction. So if I knew more about that and I was able to get access to reasonable uh, deals in that space, I would I would buy weed companies. Coca-Cola has just announced that they're getting mm-hmm. into cannabis-related uh, beverages. Um, you're going to see more drug companies going going after that. I think there's still a lot of snake oil in the space, but mm-hmm. um, definitely definitely an attractive sector. But once again, it's not something I invest in because I just don't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. And the regulatory landscape is still a little too risky for me. Oh, I tend to agree with her about the scooters. Um, <laughs> they are solving a problem that no one ever had. So, yeah, I I agree with her about that part. Yeah, well, she's an experienced investor and she brought up a great point about, you know, whether these, these scooters are playing any role in people's life or solving any problem in people's life. 
Well, Arash, that's it. That was the conversation we had with Terry Mead, one of the renegade investors we wanted to showcase in our podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. Our website is stockcard.io. Stockcard is a cheat sheet for long-term stock market investors. Sign up and create a free account with one click. All right, folks, that's it for this episode of Renegade Investors. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you had fun listening to us, give us a review. We read all of your reviews and comments. You may even get featured in the future episodes. You're such a logical investor, so it's amazing (laughs) to have you on this podcast. But I'm a gut investor. I mean, one of the things is that in the, because I do early stage investing, even though it sounds really logical, I do make decisions on what I invest in, which investors or founders I invest in. It's mm. based on gut. So um, there's logic, but the when I choose choose my investment, it's, it's based on my gut.